0: if I wouldn't have had that learning and the opportunity to grow, um, in the spiritual disciplines in, you know, those years back, I think this sabbatical would have been a nightmare for me because it would have stirred up things in me that I don't think I would know how to address or I would know how to confront. And so part of why being still is so uncomfortable is because it does bring things to the surface that sometimes we don't want to address, right? It brings out, it could bring out the good, but it can also bring out the bad and the ugly.
1: Welcome to the Holy Well Journey podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Hodges. Join us for weekly faith-based conversations on holistic health to uncover practical tips for how to thrive and apply biblical wisdom to our busy modern lives. From fitness to food to fasting, we're here to discover what it means to have a healthy spirit, soul, and body. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Today I'm having a conversation with my friend, Alexandra Nunez, and I'm so excited to talk with her about her ministry leadership experiences, Going through almost burnout, and then now where she is in time of sabbatical, and all that she's learned through these different experiences. So, thank you so much for being here, Alexandra. As we get started, can
0: you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you and I got connected? Sounds good. First of all, before I even get into that, Stephanie, I just want to thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be here and to share with you what God is doing in our lives. So, interesting enough, just about 12 weeks ago, I completed a stint of 11 and a half years in ministry overseas, and I was returning back to the United States. Along with that, I got married a year ago, but my husband and I were doing a little bit of an extended honeymoon for the first year because he was in the States and I was overseas. And so, as we realized that we were going to be coming together, living in the same place and the same roof for the first time, just 12 weeks ago, um, my husband suggested in the summer that we kick off this, you know, our start of our true marriage together with a fast. Now, interesting enough, my husband has never done a fast before. And so I knew that maybe the best place to start would be with the Daniel fast, just so it could be a way to introduce them to the spiritual discipline of fasting. And so we, I, I mentioned it's Daniel Fast, he was on board with it. We decided 21 days and I went on Google and looked for Daniel Fast recipes and came across your website of Daniel Fast Journey. So that is how you and I got connected.
1: That's awesome to hear. You got to love that Google. And I know this wasn't your first time fasting, as you mentioned. So can you tell us a little bit more about what your other fasting experiences have been like?
0: Well, I had the privilege of growing up in a family that was involved in ministry. And so as part of a ministry family, fasting was something that we did, not only as a family, um, but we also did it corporately as a church. And so we were very, as a family, we were very involved in doing the fast in the beginning of the year in January, and we would do, there'd be a Daniel fast, but also weekly Sunday morning before like church, it was something that you know from the morning we woke up until after church, our family would fast. You know, a normal no food fast, and so fasting was part of my life growing up. But then, of course, as I became an adult and started going on my own, I've done fasts. I've done three day fasts. I've done one or two seven day fasts, and then I've done a few extended Daniel Daniel fasts. So. I was familiar with fasting in that aspect.
1: That's really neat. And, you know, I found that not many people have a lot of experience with fasting, even if they've been Christians their whole lives. And so are people ever surprised when you tell them about those experiences or share that part of your story?
0: Well, interesting enough, normally you don't dig into my childhood regarding fasting. And I do think that someone from the outside would find that very awkward, like, oh, you made your kid star. But for us, it was it was normal. You know, I don't know if that's because you're a ministry family. It was something we didn't question, but I will tell you, we were very happy to have lunch on Sunday. But then as we got older, we started, you know, understanding the discipline a little bit more. We were very familiar where we saw it in the Bible practice. But I I do think as, you know, I interact with people who've never done fasting. The point for them is understanding what the fast is about. Understanding it's not about gaining brownie points with God, but it's about taking baby steps. So maybe you don't start with the whole day. Maybe you start with one meal. Maybe then you go to half a day instead of trying to go full on crazy, because one has to train for it just as much. You know, you train your spirit, your mind, as well as your body in order for you to get all the benefits from it.
1: That's such good advice. I totally agree with you. And you really do need a little grace for the learning curve when it comes to fasting. But let's switch gears here and talk a little bit more about the ministry work that you did in the Dominican Republic. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you did there?
0: I was down in Dominican Republic, serving in a Christ-centered microfinance organization, where we served the materially poor, or those who were more vulnerable, economically. And so what we would do is that we would be able to provide them with access to capital or financing for them to start a business, to be able to provide for their families. And we're talking about individuals that live on 3 $4 a day, individuals that maybe did not have access to a great education or access to opportunities outside the home, especially single moms, grandmothers, widows, individuals that maybe are extant from having access to formal banking opportunities. And so we would provide them with some opportunity to start a business, but we would share the gospel. We would provide education and training in regarding to nutrition, in regarding to health, and we would provide access to cervical cancer screenings, which uh, cervical cancer was the number two cancer for women, in Dominican Republic after breast cancer. And then in addition to that, we would provide access to um, dental health services. One of the things that was very interesting about us is that even though we were in Dominican Republic, half the families that we serve were Haitian. So we got the privilege of serving both Haitians and Dominicans in Dominican Republic. And so it was an amazing, wonderful opportunity um, I was down there for 11 and a half years and also due to me getting married and needing to be you know, closer with my husband, being on the same continent, it was time for me to transition back to the States.
1: That's definitely a time of big transition. Well, I just have to say thank you so much for the work that you did in the DR and what you poured into serving others in need and really inspiring to all of us. And I just want to thank you for what you've done.
0: Thank you. It was uh, for me, it was a privilege and it was a dream since I was in university where I learned about economic development. But one of the things that really captured my heart with the model that we were utilizing is you know, you can give people money or you can provide um, resources to start businesses or provide charity in a different way. However, if you don't do it with the gospel at the center of it, you've left individuals with resources to provide with their families, but you didn't leave them the true wealth, which is Jesus Christ himself. And so having the model that was Christ-centered, that when we, when we provided the financing, there was training based on biblical principles. And when we provided the health training, it was based on biblical principles. And every interaction was about relationship building. It wasn't about transaction is about looking at the person on the other side and knowing this person was created in the image of God. Jesus loves them and we have the opportunity to serve them to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And like you said, it's not just about, you know, the service, but it's also about sharing the good news. So it captured my heart in a way that was beautiful and it was amazing. It was difficult because you know, there's aspects of working not only with money, with people, but in ministry that brings its own spiritual battles and spiritual challenge. These are souls that we are trying to share the gospel with. And so it also had significant challenges along the way. But just so grateful to God in his grace and his mercy and his strength throughout those years. But I can't tell you, Stephanie, that I didn't come out of ministry with a lot of things that I needed to you know, address and, and look at and be very intentional, which is why I am now in a season of sabbatical.
1: That's really interesting. And your job is obviously very meaningful, very purpose-driven. And I think so many people are unhappy at work and they feel like they're missing their purpose. And if they just had the right job or the right career and if they were doing something truly meaningful to serve God, which usually means either working in a nonprofit or working at a church, that that would make their life better. And that would make their life truly meaningful if they were doing that kind of work. And also sometimes thinking that would resolve a lot of the other problems I feel like I'm having if I just had the right job. But can you tell us what you think about that?
0: That's a conversation, actually, Stephanie, I have very in. and I, I think i have it often because i think it's a huge misunderstanding in the christian world and in circles that you know if you're a minister if you're in a church if you are in full time ministry you're doing something meaningful and if i'm you know a nurse or i'm a plumber or i'm a banker or i'm working sales or i'm working at, you know in fast food then my my job is not as meaningful and I absolutely do not believe that with any fiber of my being. And I think the reason why is because I believe that any child of God, any believer is called to bring light in the darkness and is called to influence and transform those that they touch in everyday life. And I look at the Bible and I look through the different careers and vocations that different people in the Bible had you can think about Joseph, right? Joseph was in government and you can look at Daniel who was also in government. You look at Abraham who was a businessman. You look at Moses, he was a shepherd and then he was called to lead, you know, God's people out of Egypt. You look at David who had multiple careers from a musician to a shepherd and then also in government. And you see Esther, you see all these individuals and not everybody was called to be a priest not everybody was called some were called to be judges some were called to be business people and even when you jump into the new testament most of the disciples were were in other careers before they e- became disciples but you find you know there's tent makers and you find that there's women who sold fabric and individuals that had different businesses that they supported and so i i do think that wherever God has called us, the gifts and talents that God has put in us, has deposited in us. If you're called to the service industry, if you're called to be a nurse, the biggest churches can be found in our job environment and and they are not inside the four walls. And what I mean by that is, you know how many people a nurse touches, a dentist touches, a doctor touches, a banker, a person who's doing podcasts, a person who is a graphic designer they're touching so many people and sometimes I think we miss it and we think theres this well ministry is one thing and my job's another thing but when you come to the faith they come together there's no dualism your your life is ministry your interactions I mean it's to the point that I think you can't even go on vacation without at some point probably saying God bless you to someone or You know, seeing someone in your path that you know you just need to stop with. And so it's now vacation with a purpose. It's your job is a ministry all the time. And so I do want to encourage anyone who's listening who maybe is coding or someone who's doing search engine optimization, anywhere that God has called you, anywhere you feel like your gifts and talents, you can be a light anywhere you're
1: I love that. It's so true. And it really is a huge encouragement to all of us, no matter what we're doing in life. And you know, it's also easy to get caught up in our productivity and projects and our busyness, no matter what you're doing. And you can end up looking over people when we all know deep down that people are really the most important thing.
0: Oh, yeah. 100%. I think one of the things that was a huge learning experience and definitely impacted my worldview and impacted and how I interacted is I went to the DR and I went to serve and I went to make changes and I went to, you know, help everyone. And I realized that I could go down with the best business ideas. I can go down with the new ideas for products and services. But if I didn't know those who we were serving and I didn't interact with those who I was serving with, all those ideas didn't mean anything (laughs) like it did not it didn't really reach them and it it wasn't it the dominicans helped me so much and interesting enough i'm you know first generation american but my parents are from dominican republic but i think i lost it somewhere in you know working in corporate america i i focus so much on productivity and performance and results that I lost the importance of focusing on people and relationships. And I think one has to have a balance, you know, in in interacting with others in a way of saying, you know, this person's just not a, a client number. This person is just not a means to an end. There's there's life here and there's purpose with this person. And God clearly brought this person into my life for a reason. How can I leave them one step closer to Christ with my interaction?
1: Well, it's certainly part of the American way to be focused on productivity and focused on how much you can do and how little time. And we definitely all need that reminder to be looking at people or reminded that the people we serve are not just a number.
0: Yeah, I'll confess that when I entered in ministry, I was 100% about productivity and 100% about the results and 100% about doing, doing, doing. And the interesting thing about all that, you know, productivity is not bad. Results are not bad, but if it's what determines your identity and if it determines your motivation, then it does become a bad thing because your motivation, your 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 happiness or your joy is based on a number or achievement versus the joy of the Lord is my strength. And our identity falls into something outside of God. And we know as we read the Bible, that's called idolatry. And so I definitely as a a personality and as an achiever, it's something, it's been something I naturally just inclined to. I had to go through that during ministry, but as thank the Lord that through my 11 and a half years I did reach points where I was going to hit a wall and I was going to burn out. And the Lord in His grace and mercy offered me resources and opportunities and individuals that just surrounded me and helped me address that that point about identity. And so one of the things that I understood coming out of ministry in 11 and a half years and on the other end saying, I need a pause. I need before I jump into the next job, before I jump into a next ministry opportunity, before I just ignore the fact that I'm establishing a family with my husband, I, I, I need a pause. I need a pause to almost take in everything that just happened in the 11 half year. Reflect, a pause to discern, a pause to even heal my body. <laughs> all the things the abuses I did to it over all these years, and the time to praise God, and I will tell you as an achievements person, as a person that's focused on productivity, pausing is not my default. Like taking some time to to just stop is really hard for me. But one of the things that I learned while I almost hit and I, I almost hit burnout, and I would say between, you know, seven, eight years ago, I almost hit burnout. And again, got amazing people, amazing resources. And I learned during a two-year training program that I needed to create more silence, more solitude, and more pausing in order to make it in the long run, not only physically, but spiritually as well.
1: Burnout is a really big issue, not just in ministry, but everywhere. And it's more than being just a little tired. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of those physical, mental warning signs and symptoms that you were experiencing as you were going into burnout?
0: I don't think we even have enough time to cover everything that was happening in my body. But I, I will, I don't know, you know, different people have different flags. But for me, the first flag started in my body and I, wasn't so connected with my body because I was so used to, you know, pushing through, you know, those who are faithful, you just push through to the end. But also there's, there's a lot of lack of wisdom on my part, just ignoring. First, it started with sinus infections. I started, you know, getting them very periodically. And then I started getting um, stomach problems, And then I started getting, you know, adrenaline fatigue, which impacted my adrenal glands. And then I started having problems with my thyroid. And I was working so many hours for the kingdom, for the glory of God. And I really thought I was doing the right thing, but I was working like a beast. Like there was not an email. They didn't respond too quickly there wasn't a day of the week that was considered sacred. And I felt like I was doing this for God's glory, but it was at the price of my physical health. It was a price at my mental health. It was the price of my emotional health and my spiritual health. And I realized I wasn't doing it for God's glory. I was doing it for mine. And that was a huge awakening for me because I somehow looking for the Messiah Jesus made myself the Messiah. and so some of the, the the flags were I was disconnected to even my family in the states because I was working so much. I was losing sleep at night because I was constantly thinking about you know how to solve this and how do we relate to this and how do we do this. And so definitely, there were flags all over the place. I think somewhere along the way, you know, I took on the responsibility of thinking that I was going to make it happen and like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, and I I really felt it came from a, like innocent, naive, but also destructive place in me. And I also recognized that, you know, Especially if one is in leadership, you never wanna appear weak or you don't wanna appear like you don't have it together or appeal that you can't make it through. And all of that emotional facade, right? A reputational facade drives you to a darker place of continue pushing yourself and and it's it breaks us at the end of the day. Think especially if you do hit a wall or especially you burnt out and we haven't addressed those motivations in us to drive us to achievement or drive us to power or drive us to control, we end up not only hurting ourselves, but also hurting others in the process. And I think that is so completely the opposite of what we're trying to achieve in ministry. And so that is very dangerous territory because we're so tired and we're so exhausted and we're also blinded maybe to even the dysfunctions in us that we, we again, for not only ourselves, but others that we're trying to serve.
1: Yeah, I think so many people who have been in ministry can completely relate to what you're saying, whether that was a full-time position or even volunteering. And it's really common to have this idealistic vision of what you're going to do. And it, it's coming from a really good place, but things get a little off track along the way especially when we're trying to take all the responsibility on our own shoulders and maybe some of that we weren't meant to carry. And it's really interesting how the body does give us these signs and signals of what's going on internally and signals that we're under a lot of stress. And sometimes we really need to listen and lean into what the body is trying to tell us when something's out of balance. But the big first step, and I really applaud you for being so vulnerable and so honest about this, is to be aware of what's going on and to be willing to confront it and talk about it and to say, you know what, this isn't right. It's not good for me and it's not good for others. And I'm gonna do the hard work of making sure something changes. So it's really amazing that you were able to do that.
0: Yeah, that's very important. You can address what you're not willing to confront. Seeing as I mentioned before, I think my body had more awareness than my mind. And when I did finally, and I, I think it was, it was the summer of 2016 for me specifically that everything hit the head. And it was interesting enough because I went on the Bible app called Uversion to find a reading plan on burnout because I could tell I was feeling it. Stephanie. You will not believe when I opened the reading plan for burnout. I think it was just a very short one for three or four days. And Uversion has a a way to see the plans you've done in the past. Stephanie, I've done that plan two other times before, but I was so burned out that I didn't even remember I did it before. And so I, it was a, it was a wake-up call for me. And I read the first day, and in the first day of that reading plan, it mentioned the importance. It was a quote from Ruth Haley Barton about the importance of silence and solitude and how we need that to take a pause and to assess. And when I read that, that started for me a two year journey of going, following in a process of a program on spiritual transformation that actually is led by Ruth Haley Barton. And it introduced me more formally to spiritual disciplines and that was a start of changing my my rhythm of running into burnout and addressing those dysfunctions or those shadows sides in me that was driving me to work like a mania.
1: So Alexandra, when you talk about spiritual disciplines, maybe everybody's not familiar with that term. Can you explain what those spiritual disciplines are, what that means?
0: Well, spiritual disciplines, I think, are is a it's a term that it, when we say prayer or reading the Bible or fasting or serving, everyone understands all of those terms. And those are spiritual disciplines. And so spiritual disciplines are are disciplines or habits or activities you participate in that would posture you for a spiritual transformation. And so, so when I pray, I'm positioning myself to be transformed as I read God's word or as I, you know, speak with God. So, as I read God's Bible, which is a spiritual discipline, it is positioning me to learn from the Bible. And it's also confronting me, it's encouraging me, it's identifying those things in my life that don't look like Jesus. And those are simply what spiritual disciplines are. Sometimes I think we've, complicated them and we believe that they can be things that we gain brownie points with god and we know that's not true jesus christ did everything it is by his his life and his sacrifice that we have salvation believing in him but spiritual disciplines help position us to receive everything that jesus lived and died and resurrected for us to receive and i i think about it when we think of verse in john 10 10 where it talks about that you know the thief comes in order to still kill and destroy and jesus says but i came my purpose is to give him a rich and satisfying life or another verse that says life in abundance and so i think that life in abundance is found as we intentionally spend time with god and in activities that help us receive from him and learn from the lord
1: Yeah, these spiritual disciplines really are so important, especially in a noisy world. Ones like silence and solitude are definitely not easy. I know that I find myself just even if I'm sitting at a stoplight and I know it's going to be a couple minutes or I'm waiting in line at the grocery store, I'm like instantly reaching for my phone to check something or... Book at email. And just a few years ago, you wouldn't have even had that option. You would have had to just wait and just be still and quiet sometimes, which is really good for us. But it seems like it's becoming increasingly harder as we have this ability to always be multitasking or filling the silence with something. And that can kind of go back to our drive for productivity and that urge that we have and also just being uncomfortable with silence. So how is that working for you in this time of sabbatical to be still and silent?
0: I'm still learning, Stephanie. <laughs> I think I, I've, I was thinking about this when I started my sabbatical, and I was thinking that if I wouldn't have had that learning and the opportunity to grow, um, in the spiritual disciplines in you know those years back, I think this sabbatical would have been a nightmare for me, because it would have stirred up things in me that I don't think I would know how to address, or I would know how to confront. And so part of why being still is so uncomfortable is because it does bring things to the surface that sometimes we don't want to address, right? It brings out, it could bring out the good, but it can also bring out the bad and the ugly. Personal no confession again, I think it was in week, between week three and week four of my sabbatical, I started having these thoughts about, you know, what did you what did you really accomplish in those eleven half years in ministry? Like, why did you waste your time? And you know, what do you have to show for it? And I can tell you, there was an onslaught internally to my ego in such a way that I had to acknowledge it and say, "This is about me focusing on me." and forgetting that the ministry is not mine it's god's and it's his work and he's ultimately responsible but i can tell you that i did experience that uh, like of people like inside of me this this shaking inside of me and then i i read an article by another pastor that went on sabbatical and he experienced the same thing and it, it's almost a thing inside of us that wants to discourage us. And it's discouraging from, <laughs> from what was done. And, you know, it, it takes me back to Philippians where it says, you know, we need to think about what's true, what's worthy, what's admirable, what's holy. And none of those thoughts are holy and admirable. And, but at the same time, it, those are invitations to, to say, Lord, my ego is still very big here. I need you in this, this place. And I need you to help me remember that my identity is in you and what Jesus did and not in me. And I am very clear that the Bible says you will know them by their fruit. And I believe, you no, know, our lives should manifest the fruit of the Spirit because that is maturity. However, I think this this moment that I was having was more about self-glory and and pity, even self-pity, and like, why did you waste your time? And I, I actually think it was part of two things going on. I think it was a spiritual attack to my mind, but it was also me recognizing that there's some work in my ego that I need the Holy Spirit to continue working in me. And so, yeah, a sabbatical or moment of pause, and like you said, it could be a stoplight, we're there for 30 seconds or a sabbatical like mine that's extended, if we are not willing to be still and know he is God, then those things that keep stirring in us, those things that we keep continue repressing, at some point, Stephanie, those things will be coming up. The The question is when.
1: Man, that is so good. And it's so true. And it makes me want to cooperate with the process because you're right, it's not a matter of if, but when we're going to have to deal with those things inside of us. And I think what you said, that part of it being your ego, part of it being your flesh, part of it being focused on self. But then there's also the truth that there was an attack on your mind. And it goes back to that scripture you shared with us from John 10. that says the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. And so you spent over 11 years pouring out into this ministry and serving people and leading others. And I know you're making a huge impact, not only on the people you were serving, but also those people that you were leading. And so the enemy wants to come in and steal that good seed and good fruit and taint the experience in some ways. But I know there were so many good things that came out of it. And you know that too in those 11 years of ministry. So can you tell us a little bit about some of that?
0: Oh, there's so much good. And I'm so glad you brought it up because I think, you know, that verse that you mentioned, that part, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the things that I learned in the the time that I was in ministry is because the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, every, anytime I realized that my peace was being killed, my joy being stolen, and my purpose was being threatened. I realized that I wasn't having my eyes on Jesus and I wasn't living that life in abundance. And I was realizing that that was part of also my red flags or my yellow flags of oh I I need to I need to spend some time with the Lord because if joy's not there, if peace is not there, if my sense of purpose of what I knew God called me there to do and be, which probably meant I was trying to do things in my own strength or I took my eyes off of Jesus. And so part of part of when you are driven by productivity and results, you have normally, and I'll speak about myself, you have a tendency of not focusing on celebrations because you're moving on to the next thing. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, I achieved this, let's move on, Achieve this, let's move on. And so part of pausing is not only to look back and reflect, but part of pausing is to celebrate and to be grateful. And so I look back in 11 and a half years, and there's definitely so much more positive than there was. And I think the 11 and a half years for me were so important because of the deep work, not so much. Of what I contributed to the ministry, but the deep work that the Lord did in my life and in my character, and part of that was this, this, these, the surgery that He was doing in my heart and in my in my spirit in me. And so, that part wasn't easy. But when I when I see the the fruit of that, I see more joy, I see more peace. But I also look back in in gratefulness. And in thankfulness to the Lord for his faithfulness or the growth in ministry and the development in the people and the growth in the ministry in so many different ways. But God has all the glory and has all the honor. And so I'm thankful to the Lord for all the amazing things he did. I specifically remember during the, during the pandemic where the operations were significantly reduced for obvious reasons. And I mean, everyone experienced it in the world, but it was the year that more people came to Christ and we focused on, you know, calling people and, and praying for them and sharing the gospel and in in, in, instead of focusing on, Hey, these are the commitments you made, or these are activities we have to have. And so that year we saw so many people come to Christ one specifically stands out where this man was very sick and we kept on visiting him and, or calling him and we couldn't. And one of the staff members finally visited him, shared the gospel, and two days later we received the news, the news that he passed away. And just so grateful to the Lord that that man had the opportunity to give his life to Christ two days before he passed. And just hearing so many different stories of lives changed, of Families transformed, of employees who've grown in the faith. And again, I look back, all glory to the Lord.
1: Amen to that. Well, as we wrap up here, one of our key questions on the podcast is What does your journey to being Holy Well look like? And in your case, what does that mean specifically for you right now in this time of sabbatical?
0: I think that I wouldn't be able to fully be present and Fully be at my best in all aspects. If I wouldn't have taken this pause, I think you know, leaving Dominican Republic and coming to the United States—that alone is a huge change. After so long, I mean, there's so many things in the U.S. that that changed. I mean, can't even get to the details of everything that's so different. Just me be gone so long, but also starting a marriage, right? And so starting a marriage, changing countries, changing jobs. There's so many life, large like big life events that are all happening at once. And I I recognize that my body also wasn't doing that great. I came from, you know, came from this experience in the past year having situations with my back and my neck. And and even though I addressed it while I was there. I needed further care. And so taking the sabbatical was necessary for me because one of the things that unfortunately happened to me in the last two years is kind of I, it's not that I stopped praying and it's not that I stopped reading the Bible. It's not that I, but I, I've lost kind of my, my rhythms of my spiritual discipline. Like I had this set rhythm and I realized that I'm at my best when I have these rhythms. And part of the rhythms is not just praying. And it's part of the rhythms are not just reading the Bible and fasting and spending time in silence or solitude. Part of my rhythm was like basic stuff, stuff need like exercise and having, you know, being consistent with exercise and making sure my nutrition was on point and I'm taking the vitamins. And so my disciplines that I need for me to be at my best have I've just fallen off, right? And so part of sabbatical was for me to to sit and be still and, and to get in touch with myself again to say, you know, what's next, Lord? You know, what are my deepest spiritual desires and how do I connect those back to you? And how do I, how can I be still after moving so much for so long? And how do I take care of my body again <laughs> in a way that manifests stewardship over the temple that you've given me? And, and also reflecting things, lessons learned, and things to celebrate and things to be grateful for, but also new vision, because this is a new chapter with my husband and I and our marriage and our next step. And so sabbatical to me is a, is a sale. And it's a moment to just wait on the Lord. I will tell you again, I'm in week 12. It's taken me a long time to feel that even though the outside has paused in many ways, but my insides have kept on going the way that I've described it to people is the external treadmill has stopped, but my internal treadmill has continued. And so it has taken almost this whole time for that internal treadmill to kind of stop. And I think as that slows down, I'm going to be able to get a lot more clarity and understanding and, and to spend time with God, hear the Lord as I read his word and be ready for the next thing that God has for me.
1: Well, what an exciting time for you. And I have to say that it really is very brave of you to take this sabbatical and to be willing to take some time to pause because a lot of times it's easier and just seems more normal to keep going, even when the best thing for us in the long run is to take a moment to stop and have this deep reflection. And I just also want to say thank you to you uh, as part of the body of Christ and a sister in Christ for what you've done in your work in ministry. And I'm really so inspired by it. And very excited and can't wait to see what God has to say to you during this time and what's next for you.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate that.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Holy Well Journey podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and you can also head over to holywelljourney.com to check out the show notes and the whole podcast library. That's also where you'll find information about our health and wellness coaching, which you can participate in online from wherever you are in the world. Just a reminder and disclaimer that this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Please be sure to consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or exercise plan or start to fast. If you're interested in more information about fasting and spiritual disciplines, check out Danielfastjourney.com. Thanks for joining us on this journey to becoming Holy Well.